Hey guys, we are starting. This is our second part of a kingdom series. Uh, last week we were talking about the kingdom of God, establishing that the kingdom of God is on earth. It's not physical. It's not something that you see, but it actually is here. Matter of fact, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, around verse 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, uh, When you pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So he says, pray that the kingdom of God come. And so we saw that last week, that the kingdom of God was, uh, Jesus told us to pray that it would come. And the question is, did it come? And that's what we run into. And so uh, a lot of times what happens, and the reason you say, why is this important? It's important because this is Jesus' primary message. A lot of us are trying to get back to uh, the original, like the book of Acts like as our starting point but I think we need to go back further than that because uh, Jesus was our example like Jesus has always been God but he hasn't always been Jesus uh, I, I like the other day I was talking to somebody and I, and I came across just this that scripture that says in, in uh, John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word uh, was made flesh okay and we say flesh like, you really got to bring this home. It was made fleshy. He was made carnal. He was made like a man. Like, this body was just like your body. It didn't float around. As a matter of fact, there was, there was something that people don't even really understand is the fact that Jesus was not an attractive man. Matter of fact, he, he had no physique, meaning he was some frumpy. He was either frumpy or he was spindly. There was just nothing attractive about him. And you say, where do you get that at? So all these pictures that you see where Jesus is like this Fabio-looking guy, you know, probably tall, tall, dark, handsome, with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, that, like that was non-existent. We find that in actually in Isaiah 53. You start reading the beginning of Isaiah 53, and I don't even want to go into this right now, but I'm just trying to bring it home for you because Jesus has all, like, before he was ever Jesus, before there was even a name given to the man who would become flesh, who, the God who would become flesh, uh, he was God. He was God. He was the Word. And so why would the Word, why would God need to become man? Because he had to become the last Adam. The first Adam, we all died in him. We were inside of him. You say, where were we? Where were we? We were inside of Adam. When Adam sinned, it went into him, he died, and then it went into us because we were inside of his loins. You know, I tell people, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can never count the apples that are in one seed. And you know, the Greek word for seed is sperma. So just think about that for a second. I don't want to go into detail on that. Uh, but we need to understand that in Adam, we died. So God sent Jesus, born of a woman, a woman, but the seed didn't come from the man. It didn't come from any man. If Jesus had to come out of Adam, he'd be dead in sin. If he'd come through Joseph, he'd be dead in sin. Why? Because Joseph was in Adam, and Adam died, and Joseph died in Adam, just like we all did. So God became a man, completely human. I'm talking about like stripped of every type of power within, in and of his, his own physical self. Jesus was a natural man who became supernatural when the Holy Spirit came upon him in the River Jordan. As a matter of fact, he did no miracles before that. We talked about that last week. And so what? So why would he do that? Why would he become a man? It wasn't just so you can understand how you feel. I mean, that's not the only reason he did that. The reason he did that was so that he could show you what it would look like 
if Adam had not sinned, he can demonstrate to you the he could demonstrate to you what it looks like to have your dominion back that was lost in Adam. To show you what it looks like to be able to walk in authority and to dominate and to be then reunited with the Father in such a way that you become as you were intended to be. Now, Luke chapter 3, there's a boring genealogy just like Matthew chapter 1 that everybody skips over because you can't pronounce the words, the names of these people. The very last verse of that thing, when it goes through that, it says, it says like Noah the son of Lamech, Lamech the son of Methuselah, Methuselah the son of, of Enoch, Enoch the son of Jared, Jared the son of Mahelia, Mahelia the son of Canaan, Canaan the son of, of Enos, Enoch the son of Seth, Seth the son of Adam, Adam the son of God. So Adam was as much the son of God as Jesus was. So, but in Adam we died. So Jesus, who was God, the word, God became flesh, named Jesus, who was also the last Adam, so that in him we have life while in him we died. See, the Bible tells us that. It tells us that in one man, all men died. So it's also in one man, all receive life. I'm telling you, man, we, we, we complicate this thing. We make it too complicated. Why? Because we're trying to add in works when really you did nothing to die in Adam. You were just there. Helpless. Just a little squiggly little sperm is all you were. And you died in Adam. And I know that that seems, that may be, so, you know, maybe offensive to some of you, but I need you to picture this. And you're just as helpless in Jesus. And in Adam, you did nothing and you died. And in Jesus, you do nothing and you live except believe. And I'm telling you, you're doing more than that. You're wasting your time. Because he fulfilled, the, he paid the sin debt completely. He stretched his arms out on the cross and he says, it is finished, which is the Greek word telestai. Telestai means paid in full. And so I say that because I'm wanting to just set you free. And so why? So what is this whole thing with the kingdom? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Why is that important? As in, because, you know, we're preaching, we're, we're, we're preaching church and church etiquette and church organization and church that. But we have not returned back to Jesus. The early church was not your example. Jesus is your example. Because he's trying to get you back to being the sons of God. Not to get you into being church folk. And I say that with, with as much uh, restraint as I possibly can. Because I'm just wanting to push, to push forth the, the, the concept. I like what a guy said last week. You know, I hate to call names even though I just want to give the guy credit. Because I really was blessed by what he said. And what he said, he said, uh, you know, uh, I'm in, of the belief that Jesus was entirely human, like just human, right? And he became supernatural when the Holy Spirit came upon him and dwelt within him. So when God, the Father, was inside of him, he then became supernatural, began to do supernatural things that did not have to do with his, his, with his physical self or his or his his salvation his his life the life that was eternal that he was the eternal person that he was it had nothing to do with that it had everything to do with the spirit of the father so that he said now if he didn't do it let's say he did come and he was all god he said i'm still impressed by the miracles that he did did i'm really still very much impressed by what i saw but it relegates me to just be an observer because i could never do what he did 
And that would therefore make the statement that Jesus made false when he said, these works that I do, you shall do in greater works because I go to the Father. Like, how can you do that if I'm not God and he is? How can I do what he did? How can I even, how can I even come close to being an equal to that? Or let alone beyond that. You, you can't do the greater works until you, did, until you do the works that he already did. Everybody's thinking well, you, you can't do greater works until you do just, just the bare minimum of what he did. So I'm saying to you, Jesus was entirely human, but when the Holy Spirit came upon him, that's when power came. And so we talked about that's when the kingdom came. For the first time, the kingdom of God came, and it came upon Jesus when he was baptized in the River Jordan. Okay? And so you say, how do you get that? Well, the scripture says in Romans uh, chapter, uh, let me see, Romans chapter 8. Uh, nope, that's not it. Let me see. Let me see here. Go back to Romans. I'm just taking my time here. Uh, I want to say it's in chapter 14, but I'm not seeing it on my. Anyway, it says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Romans chapter 14, verse verse 17. It says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So where is the kingdom? Like when it came, if he said, pray the kingdom come, where is it? It was in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought the kingdom with him when he came and he descended upon Jesus. And so we, we established that last week. If you, you know, want to hear more about that, then check out my, my first video from last week about the kingdom of God, where it, it's called, where is the kingdom of God? So I want to go into this week, because this week we want to talk about the kingdom of God is the inheritance. Like, what is the kingdom of God? It is the inheritance. Okay. I was looking at uh, the scripture is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. It says, oh no, that's not the one either. Oh, here it is. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom like this is not one of those things like you know he's wanting to give it to you as a gift okay it's not one of those things that you work up to it's not one of those things you become really spiritual because you, you go to church regularly and you do all these works because works are rooted in the flesh if it's a gift you can't work for it because then it ceases to be a gift that's what the bible tells us about abraham that abraham that abraham received the the inheritance that he received from god uh, he received it not by works, but by the promise. So God promised it to him. He gave it to him as a gift, and he simply just believed God and received. And so this is how we receive. This is how we receive the inheritance of God, which comes by the Holy Spirit. You have to receive the Holy Spirit before you can ever receive the inheritance, because the inheritance comes by the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I had a guy say this one time, and I, and I just I, I don't know. Sometimes I just reference people on these things because it was just a great statement. He said, you know. Salvation is a birthright. And that means like, I don't have to do anything for that. But when it comes to the inheritance, I have to qualify for that. that I, have to, I have to qualify for it. And you say, well, where do you get that from? Okay. Uh, in Galatians chapter 4, uh, it talks about uh, the child. It says, though the child is heir of all. Use the same word heir. Though he be heir of all. 
uh, he's still under governors and tutors. And he's different, and he's no different than a slave. Like, you got servants running around the house, and, and he is just as subject under government, under, under, you need government when you don't, when you, when you're, uh, when you're lawless, right? He needs laws, he needs rules, like, to govern him. So, though a child, when we're still children, we don't qualify for uh, the inheritance. Why? Because even though it, it's yours, you can't, you can't receive it until the time appointed of the Father. And so, what I want you to see is that the, it, it is the inheritance, the kingdom of God is the inheritance, and I'm going to prove that here in just a second. But it comes with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the executor of the estate. Now, I'm using some legal terms here. Because I want you to see that, like I said, being born again, going to heaven, that's a birthright. I was born into the family. I received eternal life and salvation because of what Jesus did just by believing. But when it comes to receiving my inheritance, which is on earth, remember, it's not in heaven. We're not, so when we say the kingdom of God, we're not talking about heaven. It's because we prayed that it would come here. And we found also that in um, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, it tells us that the kingdom of God uh, would be delivered up. 1 Corinthians 15.50, it says this. Uh, and this I say, brethren. Oh, and that's, that's not the right scripture either. Hold on a second. Not 15.50. I know it's in 1 Corinthians. I've seen the... Um, it says, and when the end cometh... And I'll find that the verse for you here in a second. It says, When the end cometh, then the end cometh, and the kingdom of God is delivered up. And so why would it then need to be delivered up if it's already up? If the kingdom of God is actually heaven, then it wouldn't need to be delivered up. But there's a time in the end, meaning it came with the Holy Spirit, and it'll be here until the time of the end, and then it'll be delivered up. So where's it now? The kingdom of God is on earth. Jesus was, was pressed with the same question. You know, we've seen that in uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Is the, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, where is the kingdom? You say there's a kingdom. Where is it at? We don't see it. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God won't come with observation. You won't be able to say, look, here it is or, or there it is. He said, but the kingdom of God is within you. And so the kingdom of God, when it came, it came, it would come. Because he's speaking in the future tense because it had yet not come because the day of Pentecost hadn't come when Jesus hadn't been crucified and, and, and when he was crucified and raised from the dead then he told him go wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power and, and then the Holy Spirit would come upon him and so that's when the kingdom of God came so you know I see I hear a lot of people and they're thinking I know the thinking is like hey the kingdom uh, that's talking about heaven I, I disagree I, I just believe that's it because what about uh, Ephesians and what about Galatians? Galatians chapter 5. And what about Ephesians chapter, uh, uh, chapter 5? It says, it talks about the flesh and how, how these, these carnal acts. Uh, let me read it for you. As a matter of fact, let's read. Um, I'm going to read uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. And what we're going to see uh, here is Paul is talking to a body of believers, the, the, the church at, at, at Ephesus. And he's saying to them, now the works of the flesh are revealed. It's, uh, King James says, manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uh, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, uh, heresies, envying, murdering, drunkenness, reveling, and, and, su and such the like. In other words, anything like that. 
of which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So immediately our mind like goes into default religion mode and it says they will not go to heaven. That's not what this scripture is talking about. See why? Because the inheritance, like I said, salvation comes, it's, it's, a, it's a birthright. But the inheritance must be, the inheritance must be qualified for. Remember? Uh, remember Galatians 4? Though that child is, is under, gov he's under governors and tutors. He, he, he controls, like he actually owns everything. Like he's the heir. But as long as he's a child, he, he's still under governors and tutors. Until the time appointed of the father. See, the father then releases the inheritance to him when it's time, when he has actually qualified, right? We know, we know what an executor of an estate is. We know that if you have an inheritance, you know, they may have a lawyer who, who's, that, you're the, uh, that is your executor of the estate. And so maybe uh, in, the, in the will that was written for you, it required you to maybe go to college and finish your degree. And so until that's done, you don't get the inheritance. Or it requires you to, uh, to get off of uh, drugs or whatever. Whatever conditions that, that parent wanted to put on that inheritance would be placed into the into the, the the language of that legal document and when you met the qualifications it would then be released maybe into when you turned 18 maybe you know these stipulations had to be placed in there and so that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit there is what what is this you say what are the stipulations uh, let's look at another one and I will see uh, let's look at Ephesians Ephesians basically is saying the same thing Ephesians 5 2 through 8 it says, walk and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as, it, as, is, as is becoming of saints, right? Neither filthiness nor, nor foolish uh, talking or, or jesting, uh, uh, which are not uh, appropriate. The words can be convenient there. Appropriate, with, but rather giving of thanks for this you know that no whoremonger or unclean person nor covetous man who is an adulterer hath any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god let no man deceive you with vain words because these things cometh because of these things the wrath of god comes upon the children of disobedience now he's talking about a different group he's not talking about believers he's telling you don't do what they do but then he says, that's why the wrath of God is coming up on unsaved people. Because they're doing this stuff, right? Because look at the next verse. He said, let, first of all, let me go back and read that. Let, not, let no man deceive you with vain words. In other words, don't let anybody trick you into thinking that's okay, right? For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Different group. But not uh, be, be not you, therefore, partakers with them. Okay, you see that? He says, listen. This stuff, don't do it because the wrath of God is coming upon them because they're doing that stuff, right? So don't you partake with them. You see, so we're not even talking about us here. He's telling you, don't do what they do. Why? Look what he says. Don't be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, like you were like them once in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So he is he's actually... Uh, admonishing them please don't be like you used to be don't walk with them and do the stuff that you used to do and the stuff that they're currently doing they're gonna be judged because of that stuff because they're not in Christ 
So you shouldn't be doing that stuff because, first of all, you won't receive your inheritance. You will be disqualified. And you say, what is this inheritance? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 20 says, The kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. Now look at Jesus. When Jesus starts preaching this message about the kingdom of God, he starts in the beginning. This is Jesus' primary message. He didn't, he, he, you know, we think he preached about sin. We think he preached about like, like other things. He was always preaching the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he tells his, his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 8, he says, As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received freely give so what message did he tell them to preach now I'm, I'm not I'm not excluding other messages and I'm so don't I know your mind immediately starts to kind of go across the board and say well you're saying that we shouldn't preach other stuff no that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying to you here is that Jesus's message revolved around the kingdom the kingdom message I can I can apply the kingdom in every situation that I'm in I can tell you right now I could say why are you getting so worked up about politics when when it is Trump your king is is Biden your king is Obama your king are these your kings if they're your king then maybe you maybe you have need you have need to be upset but they are not my king I live in this place but my primary citizenship is the kingdom of God and therefore Jesus is my is my king he is my leader he is the like I can preach I can preach that and, and apply it I can when I'm trying to get people to understand uh, that you know you're healed why are you healed because Jesus paid 2,000 years ago for you to be healed you're not waiting on him to heal you See, that was part of the kingdom inheritance. It comes with power. That's why they went out demonstrating. Let's de he said, go out and demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. What's it going to look like? Healing the sick, uh, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out devils, and telling the kingdom of God. At that time, the kingdom of God was only near. It was only at hand, meaning it was within reach, but it wasn't, but they couldn't possess it. It was at hand. It was it was it was nigh unto them, but they couldn't possess it. Why? Because it had not yet fully come, so that it would then be available to all men, until the day of Pentecost. Because just as it came upon Jesus uh, in the River Jordan, he said, "Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He hath anointed me." What did He anoint Him with? With the Spirit of God. Then Jesus tells you in Acts 1:8, "Listen, go wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power, and after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power." And so when the Holy Spirit came, he came with him, bringing the kingdom of God, and it would dwell inside of them, and it would cause you to manifest the same, the same things that Jesus did and greater, according to what Jesus said. So the kingdom of God is not a, it is not a, an idea, a concept, some distant, far-off thing. It is within you, Jesus says. And until you recognize that, until you understand, and so why do we walk why do we walk uh, free from sin? Not because we're afraid that hell is, is looming, but because, listen, if I, if I preach sin, you'll, you'll keep people right on the line trying not to sin. They'll just ride the fence. Oh, I'm just trying to get, hoping I can get in. 
But when I begin to preach the power of God, and I begin to preach the kingdom of God, and I say to you that you have an inheritance that came by the Holy Spirit, and if you avoid these things, then you will receive your inheritance and walk in power. Man, that's a no-brainer. If it means I'm going to be able to do what Jesus did, I'm going to be able to change lives, I'm going to be able to lay hands on the sick, and, and I can be able to raise the dead. I'm going to be able to prophesy and speak the mind of God, and the things that I declare will come to pass. Do you know that that becomes a sin, becomes a distant memory? Man, you, I mean, it's the choice between being mortal and immortal. It's the difference between being a superhero and being a nobody. Everybody wants to be somebody. But I'm telling you, you'll never obtain it walking in bondage. And I'm telling you, the kingdom of God has come. It came with the Holy Spirit. It is your inheritance. It was the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He did that. It's been done. You're not waiting. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit because they did that initially because he had not yet been sent. But he's been here for 2,000 years. And just like, you, just like you believed that you were saved, and when you said, Jesus, I give my life to you, and you believed you were saved, with no evidence whatsoever, is the same way you receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same way you receive the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. It's a free gift. And so you say, well, man, you got, no, 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 you got to qualify for that. You got, you, you got to qualify for the Holy Ghost. God, there are no perfect vessels. The Holy Spirit comes to perfect you, not for wait for you to be perfected. And then he comes into your life. Like he is the cleaning agent. He is the person that comes in and, bring, and brings about change. You say, where do you get that? Ezekiel 36, 26 says, a new heart will I give you and I'll give you a new spirit. I'll take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh within your flesh. So we see that, he, that we're dealing with salvation there. But the very next verse, Ezekiel 36, 27 says, and then I'll put my spirit in you. So we, there, there's two spiritual transactions taking place. First one, Ezekiel 36, 36, 26 says, a new heart will I give you and I'll give you a new spirit. That's my born again spirit. And I'll take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh within your flesh. And then I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and my commandments to do it. And I'm telling you, we, we, when you get saved, you have a want to, but you don't have a how to. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit comes. And when he comes, he brings about the, the ability for you to mature because he is the parent spirit. The Holy Spirit is the parent spirit. And, G and God, Jesus says this. He said, if, if your son asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks you for an egg, will you give him a, a snake? No. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father not give to you the Holy Spirit? It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the parent spirit. That's a no-brainer. You say, well, you're calling a parent spirit. I'm not really sure like, how you got the parent spirit thing. Well, man... In, in John, he said, I'm going to send you a comforter. The word comforter in the Greek is the word parakletos. It means one called alongside to help. The word para, it's a compound. Para, meaning we get the word parallel from. And kletos means a helper. So a helper called alongside, right? And then in the same verse, he uses another derivative of the word comfort. He says, I'll not leave you comfortless. But it's a different Greek word. This Greek word is the word orphanos, where we get the word orphan or parentless so the holy spirit is not just anything called alongside to help you he is the parent spirit brought alongside to help you just like ezekiel 36 27 says i'll put my spirit in i'll cause you to walk in my statutes and commandments see as parents we have to train our children from the outside in but the holy spirit trains us from the inside out he is the inheritance he is the executor of the estate there's something that you
when we, when we align ourselves with Him. Because look what we said. We said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 50, said, listen, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we think, oh, you're not going to physically go to heaven. That's not what that means. that means. That means carnality will not. A carnal, rogue carnal Christian will not inherit, receive the inheritance that is for him now on earth. He will not operate in power. And what does that carnality look like? It looks like everything he said in Ephesians 5 and everything he said in Galatians 5. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, rivalry, witchcraft, all variants, all those things like that. They shall not receive their inheritance because you are children. And until you mature, you're under governors and tutors until the time appointed of the Father. And once you get to a point where you lay those things down, you will begin to operate in power. I tell you this firsthand. Why do I not sin? Why do I not cuss? And why do I not chase women because I'm trying to get to heaven? No, man. I'm trying to be like Jesus because he came here as my example. Why do I? I do that for you. I lay, I carry my cross. You know what carrying my, we said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. That means die for what I died for. He died for this world. He died for people. I'm telling you, I lay my life down for people. Why? Because I value you. Because, because you're more important than anything else that's in this world to be gained. Like, I'm, because I know I'm walking in eternal life right now, I make the eternal decisions. Sin is such a temporary thing, and yet that's all we preach about is this, the here and now, and basically self-help. And I'm telling you, we need to move outside of that. This world is in a, in a crisis, and we don't even really know how to be the answer. We must be light. You must be witnesses, meaning the word witness in the Greek, you shall after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses. This word witness is actually the Greek word martyr, which we get, which we think immediately you're going to die physically. No, you're going to, you're going to sacrifice just like Jesus's fleshy body, just like the word was made fleshy and was made carnal. He was, but he wasn't, he wasn't surrendered to his carnality. He knew his body was a meat offering for, before God on behalf of people. Jesus laid down his flesh to die so that you could have eternal life. And I'm telling you, like, if you want to prove you love God, then don't try to give him stuff. What can you give him? We're trying to build big edifices for God to live in, big huge ministries and big buildings. Like, God's going to be impressed with that. We're trying to give him a mansion. He just wants a mobile home. And what's that mobile home? It's with you. He wants, to walk, he wants to live inside of you and he wants to go where you go and affect people. He wants to be able to speak to people through you. He wants, to, he wants to be able to touch people by the laying on of your hands and when you declare for them to be healed, he wants to be able to work the power of God. Jesus didn't do any of those miracles. Every, he said every miracle he did, the Father did. He said, I don't do the work, my Father does the work. And how did the Father do the work? Because the Father was inside of him, but Jesus was still fleshy. Man. This is just the beginning of this, and I'm really just trying to get us to a point where we will begin to think the kingdom of God. I'm talking about not talking about any kind of denominational references that you might have. I don't know them. I haven't studied any theologies that revolve around any type of existing kingdom kingdom doctrine. But I'm telling you, I study Jesus's doctrine. And I'm wanting to be, when I realized that Jesus came to be an example for me to put me back in my place, when I realized that I was an heir with him and a joint heir with Christ, what, what, did, 
How humbling is that? That he has made us heirs. If we are children of God, then we are also heirs. And if heirs, then join heirs with Christ. That, that's, that's Romans chapter 8. I want you to know, it's time to look beyond circumstance. It's time to look beyond. I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm saying, look, just look past all the end time prophecies and begin to see what God has spoken about the, about the, about how it all ends. <laughs> the game is fixed. You worried about the giants in the land, and so you come back with evil reports when, when, when Caleb and Joshua just said, hey, we are well able to take it because their eyes were fixed on a promise, not on the, not on, not on the problem. It's time. So I just wanted to convey to you that the kingdom of God is the inheritance and carnality will not inherit it. And I'm telling you, when we get to a place where we begin to walk in, in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and therefore we will be able to be qualified by the executive of the estate, which is the parent spirit. The Holy Spirit will then release the power of God to operate on your behalf. Man, the world is waiting for you. Read Romans chapter 8. All of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of sons. And we can't do it because we're so fixed on ourselves. Man, I love you guys. God bless you. And next week we'll be coming back with another one of these uh, from this series called The Kingdom of God Revealed. Amen. God bless you.